Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And uh, I just want to thank the I Love the Southside team for putting this together. Uh, And I I have to tell you, um, I I, I sat in on the I Love Southside meeting uh, this past uh, Sunday, and and it was just a room uh, full of beautiful people that uh, are carrying out not just our vision as a church, but they're helping each and every one of us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as I was, as I was sitting at the table and, and, and as we were talking about uh, all of the different efforts that we are making as a church, these partnerships that are very strategic here on the South Side and others, I got to thinking about my own past experiences. And I, I, I have to tell you, uh, most churches have a wonderful missions committees. But oftentimes, they are mission committees that will take the dollars that we donate and put in the offering plate, and they just figure out where it's going to go. And that's not a bad thing. Please don't hear me saying that the church that you used to go to did it wrong. That's not a bad thing. But I have, we have a, a blessing as a congregation to have a committee that is not just looking to give money away. But we are looking to do something that is, is, is discipling each and every one of us to actually be a part of God's story in our community, like we are with uh, Homes for Tracy, like we are for other organizations that you're going to hear about throughout the year. Uh, and we want to be a part of what Claire was talking about in here, to be a hand up, to discover and live into the potential that God has created in all of us. We talk, I talk about that a lot here. We talk about that as a congregation, but we want to share that wherever we go, and that is very significant and important to us. We equip uh, and empower one another to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And there was one thing that uh, she said in this interview that just, it kind of haunted me, uh, but it was definitely the motivation that, uh, that drives her and her organization to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We missed it for Tracy, she said. Wow. How often have we reflected back and we thought, I missed that opportunity. We don't want to miss the next person. We don't want to miss out on any more opportunities. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. I think a question that we can ask ourselves as we think about is, who are we meant to be? Who, who, who are we meant to be as individuals? And I think even as a, as a community of believers, our church, as we finish this series, the journey starts here. It's a question I think is really important for us to ask. Who are we meant to be? I believe that's an excellent question. I, I, um, Scott Nelson gave me a book uh, uh, recently uh, written by one of my favorite authors, Richard Rohr, and I forgot the title of it. I didn't write it in my notes. That was not very smart. But anyway, I'm very thankful for this book uh, that uh, is, it, Richard Rohr writes about the Sermon on the Mount, and you're probably going to hear a sermon series based on that in the future because it's just blowing my mind. And, uh, but there was one moment, just not even a paragraph, where he touched on the story of where Jesus curses the fig tree. And I want to read that to you. I want to share that with you this morning. 
It comes from Matthew chapter 21, and it starts in verse 18. Early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. I just want to pause there, give you a little background. You go back in the text, you find out the day before was the triumphal entry. This is when Jesus would come into the city on the colt of a donkey on Palm Sunday, and all of, the, uh, all of the people would lay down their cloaks and their palm branches, and they would shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay? So he's, he's coming into this finality of, and the, the ultimate of his life and experience. And as he retreats, rests for the day, and he comes back, he's coming back into the city. Verse 19, seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you, I tell you the truth, if you have faith, and do not doubt. Not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. There's so many things that we could talk about uh, in that text, but I have a question why did Jesus curse the fig tree? This seems like a very strange thing to me, for Jesus to curse the fig tree. You almost get a sense in this moment that Jesus is in a place of weakness because it says he was hungry. And he has a little tantrum because the tree isn't producing what he wants. You've been there. We've gone to the freezer at the end of the day where we know that we should be going to bed, but we go to the freezer and we look for the cookie dough ice cream, right? I'm hungry. I'm not, am I really hungry? I don't know. And there's no cookie dough ice cream. Curse you, freezer. <laughs> now, why do we do this? It wasn't the freezer's fault. It was probably my fault the day before, or we blame it on our wives, or we blame it on our kids, or whoever it is, but we curse the freezer. <laughs> when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. And what they were amazed about is that Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered in front of their eyes. This magician killed this tree. Don't you find it a bit odd what the disciples ask? They, of course, are like you and I. We see this amazing miracle of the fig tree withering before our eyes, and whoa, how did this happen? Where did that come from? It had never occurred to them to ask why Jesus did it in the first place. Why, cur why curse the poor fig tree, Jesus? Why curse the poor fig tree? Then Jesus' response seems much more strange than his reaction to the fig tree. It doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't come together. He doesn't talk about the fig tree. It's almost as if he plays into their question by explaining how they could do the magic that he did. Right? If you have faith like this, 
and you do not doubt, you can take, say to this mountain over here, throw yourself into the sea. I've never heard of that in the text except when Jesus says you can do that. Do any of you have faith enough that you have tried to do that before? No, no. <laughs> we try to do things like that, but it just doesn't happen. Uh, it's almost, the, the thing is, uh, let's, let's back up a bit. Let's go back into the text. Let's look at it a little bit more detailed. What is Jesus looking for? Figs. He's looking for what would have been known in that time, candy. It was this sweet fruit. And if you had a fig tree around you or near you, you were blessed because you had candy. You had sweet. It's a fig tree. And because it's a fig tree, what should it produce? Figs, right? No, not cookie dough ice cream. <laughs> that was good. I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> but it's a fig tree. It should produce fruit in keeping with its identity. But it was empty. And therefore, it was a deception. It was a deception. So he curses it. Not because he's hungry. Not because he's disappointed, not because he went, had this moment of weakness like you and I do when we go to the freezer at 11 o'clock at night. He's Jesus. Why didn't he just make the fruit appear on the tree like he wanted? We've seen him do those kind of things, right? He took a sack lunch, and he took the two loaves and the fish, and he produced enough for 5,000 people. He could have done that. Why didn't he do that? Yet, just like in that moment, like a good rabbi, Jesus is teaching something. And just like you and I are, the disciples miss the point. If you believe that you are who you say you are, and you do not doubt that I created you this way, you can do this you will produce fruit. You can make a kingdom impact. I should actually change the word from you to we. I want to include myself in it. The journey starts in this place. Every weekday morning, I pray a prayer uh, that I found years ago. Uh, some of you received it this morning when you walked in, and if you didn't receive it, make sure you pick up a card. I think there's a Nice stack of them out there, but it is a prayer attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, a 12th century friar who founded a monastic order called the Franciscans, which you've probably heard of before. Listen to some of the words of this prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. I actually, when I, when I, as I'm saying that prayer, I think that Claire could have been praying that all along because that was her attitude where she noticed that there is this need 
and she doesn't run away from that need. She gravitates to that need, and that's where you and I, uh, together as a body of believers, that's what we should be doing. The first thing that we should be doing is gravitating to a place of great need. Strategically and with courage, place ourselves in situations where we can make the, make the most, of, most difference in the world rather than running away to our, our freezer with cookie dough ice cream, our comfort. We can do this. We can do this because we trust that God blesses us with all that we need in every moment. We see moments like this in all of Jesus' teaching, right? Where he'll take the small thing. He'll talk about the widow who had the two mites that gave, but she gave all that she had because she wanted to make a difference. She wanted to do what she could. And she didn't, she didn't say, well, I only have two mites, so I'm, I'm irrelevant. I'm insignificant. No, she gave what she had. Jesus would say, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, I am there with you. That's a, that seems like a little insignificant thing, but it's huge. And we make a difference. Or even, as I mentioned before, the, the simplicity of a little sack lunch that has the opportunity to feed so many people. And so we take the little bit that we have and we combine it with the little bit that we all have and we gravitate, gravitate to the place of great need and we make a difference. The second part of that prayer is this. O divine master, grant, I love this phrase, just the idea, give me this blessing, give me Give me, change this part of my will. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. And, and we know this. Like we, we look at those words and we think, this is the thing that I need. I, I want somebody to understand me. I, I, I need consolation. I need somebody to come around me and give me encouragement. And not that we shouldn't come forward and have prayer. You know, we invite people, come forward if you need something. But this prayer is saying leverage the thing that you need. Leverage your desire. The thing that I want most, perhaps even need the most, this thing, this is the thing that will motivate me to make a, the most difference. Why? Because I can understand it best. Right? If, if I have a need, if I know what it is like to... Uh, be unsupported in my workplace, and I feel crushed and oppressed, who better to speak into the lives of other people when I can relate that? I can walk that same path. And so I don't hold that back. I don't look at that as, as, as if it is something that I am missing. Rather, it is something that God blesses me with 
and now I can use it and I can sit beside somebody that might be going through the same struggle. Sometimes we look at the little that we have and we, we just think it won't make a difference. And then the last portion of that prayer. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. The last element of that prayer that is beautiful is to die to yourself so that you might receive. And the goal isn't to, to receive, it's just that when I die to myself, when I die to Jesus Christ, I receive it all. I loved CJ's testimony last week where she talked about giving up, surrendering myself so that my heart and my life can be transformed into his likeness. And he doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything. Let me read the prayer one more time. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. I encourage you to join me uh, throughout this season. Uh, join me. Uh, it is just, I'm not saying that that is anything special because I'm doing it. I just want you to allow that prayer to transform the way that you come to God, the way that you rely on him and trust him. Uh, to go back to the fig tree as I close. Jesus told his disciples, if you have faith and do not doubt, that's what he was getting at. Do you trust what I have created you to be? Because when you don't, when you doubt that I have empowered you in and I have equipped you and I have given you all of these things so that you can make a difference, so you could do anything, then you will, you will wither and die and you won't produce fruit. But if you have faith, if we collectively as a body of believers do not doubt that God has given us everything that we need to do to gravitate to needs and to make a difference with the little bit that we have, we can move mountains. We can do something that is even greater than move a mountain. Amen? Amen. I, uh, let me pray, and then I've got an announcement uh, um, 
No, I don't have an announcement because we have to do communion. Sorry. <laughs> Let me pray and we'll go into our communion time. <laughs> Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, uh, Father, for just teaching us uh, uh, even maybe uh, just a simple lesson, but it's such a powerful lesson. Uh, thank you, Father, for being patient with us when we do have doubts and for showing us, Father, that what you have given is so significant, so important, and can make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen.